power of the dark side. I'm not a baby, I'm a man. I am an anchor man. Is this a kissing book? The way I see it, if you're going to build a time machine into a car, why not do it with some style? Hello and welcome to episode four, series two of Just Like in the Movies, brought to you by gkmedia.ie. We provide digital content and marketing solutions for SMEs throughout Ireland and the UK. The podcast is all about supporting and promoting what is happening in the Irish film and television industry. But we also like to look at uh, some of the movies coming out uh, from other parts of the world, like North America and mainland Europe. I'm your host, Gary Kelly, and this week, as always, we're joined by Lisa Tracy and Dave Coyne. Hello. Hello. Greetings. We are looking at three movies this week. We love doing research. Robin Hood, Ralph Breaks the Internet, and The Girl in the Spider's Web. We'll also be speaking to Sarah Dillon of The Rap Fund to get more information about that initiative, which is nearly 14 months on the go now. And uh, 2 million euros worth there to be grabbed and used for uh, the development or production funding here in the West. First up, though, let's chat about Robin Hood. I can fire two arrows a second. Yeah, you could fire two arrows a second. You think you're faster? Shoot me. Beg your pardon? You've killed hundreds of us. What's one more? Okay. Please. I said shoot me! Too slow! Fast as you can! Again! Come on, English! There you go, that's a clip taken from the new edition of Robin Hood, starring a fellow who I'm actually quite fond of, I think is pretty cool, Taron Edgerton, who was in The Kingsman, and he was really good, especially as a singer in Sing, which yeah. are the sort of movies I have to watch now as a, as a father of two young girls. Um, but I have to admit, I wasn't very excited about a Robin Hood movie coming out. I grew up with the TV show. Do you remember the TV show, mm-hmm. Robin Hood, with Sean Connery's son? Yeah, no. Jason Connery. Yeah. Jason Connery, yeah. I didn't know there was that. Yeah, and then oh. Kevin Costner brought in the American angle with Prince of Thieves. the only one worth Prince talking Thieves, about. Not Prince of Tides, yeah. Prince of Thieves, yes. And, and then Carrie Elwes was Robin Hood, Men in Tights, and then Ro- Russell yeah. Crowe as Robin Hood again. Which didn't work. Nope. Yeah. You, you've just touched on it there, Gary. It's, it's not like this is a bad film. It's just, if you go into IMDb and look up Robin Hood, you're going to get a list as long as your arm. Um, there are just too many Robin Hood movies, and it's the same story. It's not like, uh, you know, a Batman movie or a Superman movie where he does different things. He's fighting General Zod, and then he's fighting the bald guy Lex Luthor mm. or whatever. This is just Robin Hood versus the Sheriff of Nottingham, and repeat, and repeat, and repeat. And it's the same exact story, beat for beat, all of them are the same. Uh, even the, the 2010 Ridley Scott version with um, Russell Crowe, they tried to do a few different things, but it ended up being just the same thing over and over again. And this, even though, in my opinion, it's it's a solid, decent movie, well made, acting is solid, uh, script is solid, uh, the production design is interesting, it's just a s- same story. Errol Flynn could have done it. It's exactly the same story as done before, and I think that's why it's been an all-merciful flop at the box office financially, but... It's a decent flick. You'll enjoy watching it. You know, the acting's good. Action sequences are good. They're not over the top like uh, Kingsman, the aforementioned mm. Kingsman, but Taron Edgerton does a great job. He's, he's a great little actor. Our very own Eve Hewson, Bono's daughter. 
you know. Oh my God, is that who that was? That's who mm. it was, yeah, with the Irish accent. That's oh, that was the ropiest accent in the history know, of accents. Yeah, yeah there Jesus, you go. Jesus, one minute she's from the north, one minute she's from the south, yeah. one minute she's a dub. I couldn't yeah. keep hold of her. There you go. Uh, but, you know. It's she was showing her range while she got the opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's just, it's just. Uh, you forgot one important person. Ah, uh, yes. Ben Mendelsohn. No. Jimmy Fox. No. Who? Um, only the only Jamie Dornan. Oh yeah, Jamie. Dornan. I didn't even know he was in it before yeah. I went to see it. Yeah, I mean, they, they, that's a one. Treat. That's one little <laughs> modernity that they indulge themselves in this business of let's build in this character for the sequel. Mm-hmm. Okay. No spoilers here, but you know they're building in a character for the sequel to kind of pick up the mantle from a, another character who who is um, uh, won't be around for the sequel, shall we say? Mm-hmm. And uh, this business of oh, we're good, and there won't be a sequel. I mean, this thing is the bomb of twenty eighteen financially, okay, well. financially a mm-hmm. bomb. Uh, personally, I I sat there and I went, yeah, it's good. But Robin Hood and production design, Lisa, you, you know, what I do you think? I didn't like it. Oh, and it I it went, was interesting. It was interesting. Yeah. I thought they were kind of doing shades of a knight's tale to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. There was a little bit of that, not in the romantic comedy mm. and there's lots of jokes and stuff, but in the just the style. Mm. The costuming. The, ma- the costuming, making it kind of modern. Mm. No, I didn't like it. Yeah, I didn't. No. I, that's, I, I kind of agree with you. I didn't like it as such, but I, I thought it was interesting. Like your men they, had boots and there was no such thing as boots yeah, back in the day. And Ben Mendelsohn, who is <laughs> the, the new perennial bad guy, for anybody who doesn't know who he is, he's the, he was the bad guy in... Ready Player One. He was the bad guy in uh, Rogue One. Yeah. He's this great Australian character actor who is now, you know, rest in peace, Alan Rickman, but he's the new Alan Rickman. He's yeah. the go-to bad guy in everything now. Yeah. And he's wearing these fabulous leather coats down to his ankle that they With just, a pair of docks. Yeah, that just didn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people were around bows like and arrows. The colours and... and, yeah. and is just, it like a Matrix homage or something? Yeah. It is kind of Matrixy. Mm. And then the, the, the Stormtrooper-esque guards are all wearing these kind of cross between a Stormtrooper and a Nazi metal helmets, which are just impossible to make out of, unless it's made of plastic in China and spray-painted yeah. silver. Yeah. You know, this kind of production, which was interesting, but didn't work for me. Uh, but it, it caught my attention. Uh, and then there was the whole bad thing. the yeah, crusades element to it, which had a very much an Afghanistan sort of yeah. British army kind of Black Hawk Down, Black Hawk Down kind of vibe. vibe yeah, yeah, and which uh, Ridley Scott did. Yeah, mm. but this, this, yeah, but this at least one, he kind of stayed true to the medieval times. Mm. Yeah, I mean they were wearing you know armor and they were walking around longbows that are six foot long, kind of primed as if they were. You know Glocks. Yeah, and they're kicking down doors like yeah. modern. And then there was an warfare. actual okay. machine. Yeah, yeah. It, it was, I don't think they had those machines no. either. I mean, again, it's Robin Hood. It's not. It's so, not is <laughs> it for a younger audience? They're just trying to grab like your male Bored teens. On a Saturday. Yeah, it's it's Errol Flynn meets Fast and Furious. You know, okay. uh, with a bit of Kingsman thrown in, and yeah. uh, I mean, it's not a terrible movie. It's no. just it's Robin Hood all over again. I mean, if they make Titanic seven mm. and the ship sinks every time, you're kind of going to run out of steam. Yeah. yeah. Uh, pardon the pun. Um, and, you know, <laughs> Robin also, Hood has been done. But also setting a movie up for a sequel, I think, is a bit presumptuous. You know? It's Absolutely. A bit, it's a bit cheeky, I thought. Absolutely. I mean, you know, well, uh, then again, I did watch for the first time ever Conan the Barbarian from 1982 during the week. Good wow. Lord. <laughs> good man. <laughs> and at the end, it's like, well, they were so presumptuous that they, they already said that there's going to be a sequel. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. The, Conan the, the story has yet to be told or will be told next or something was the end line. Yeah. Of it. Wow. yeah. I, I actually think Schwarzenegger is a decent actor now. He is yeah. indeed, yeah. Uh, and he, fair play to him for putting in the work yeah. to yeah. become the actor he is today. But certainly in his early days. Wow. Well, to get his foot in the door, he did what he had to do physically mm. and, you know, as a big foot to put through the door. Um, but, I mean, if you look at Conan the Barbarian, he wasn't seen before in 1982. There was no Conan the Barbarian 
remake. Yeah. Where this is like the 80, correct me if I'm wrong, I will be wrong, but I'm just going to go out here on a limb here. This is the 85th Robin Hood movie. Uh-huh. And it's not Robin Hood goes to space or Robin Hood <laughs> yeah. versus the Cybermen. It's just Robin Hood and the Sheriff of Nottingham and Marion is in the middle. She's either a, a femme fatale or she's mm. a, whatever, she's a slight... Damsel de- de- Yeah, or, or she's, a, you know, she's a different version of Marion. It's a different version of... Robin, Robin Hood, Hood different but it's version, the, same. the sheriff, yeah, but it's the, the same, still the same, same story. They know? even had a Gisborne. Same beats. They yeah. even had a Gisborne. Yeah, he was bad. Yeah, mm-hmm. but anyway, out of five, Dave, I'm gonna give it two and a half because it's a solid movie, but it's just too much repetition. It's the same old stuff. I give it a two and a half as well. Okay, and look, The Prince of Thieves. That's a great fun the movie. The greatest movie of all you know, time. But you can Easy. watch it whenever. Easy. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> you know, it's a good Probably solid. Twenty movie. years old now, but it's still great. Yeah, but I mean, it, it, and again, production design, it's classical you know, medieval. There's no stylized things that are going to make you go, oh, that doesn't look right. They had regular bows. Yeah. And he still managed to win. Absolutely. And that Alan Rickman, hello, yeah, legend. Absolutely. There you go. Two and a half out of five. Cost about a hundred million to make and so far it's only taken in 40 something. So, yeah. oh dear. You know, hopefully DVDs will come back again and they'll make the money on that. Maybe. Next up, let's take a look at the sequel to Wreck-It Ralph called Ralph Breaks the Internet. All right, let's get you plugged in. Wiffy, or is it wifey? Why don't we just go in? Whoa, cool. Okay, super excited when I was at Disney Day up in Dublin a few months ago and they show us clips of various movies that'll be coming out over the next 18 months. And sometimes you, you have an idea that this movie won't be a major success, kind of based on your own gut feeling and the reaction of the room. But in fairness, the majority of the stuff they were showing on the day did get a brilliant reaction, including Wreck-It Rav. But again, it could be a case of... The trailer or the clips you're shown just as all the funny bits. Maybe the whole thing isn't funny, but I do think Disney are really good when they put these animations together. So let's find out. John C. Riley, Sarah Silverman, back again for Wreck-It Rav. Lisa? Didn't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I hate Sarah Silverman. I couldn't watch it. No, nope. It's the voice. And I, no, it's John C. Riley as well. I can't stand him either. All right. Sorry, I took a pass on this one. Sorry. Okay, Dave. It's a good uh, follow-up. The original, the original was a fun movie. Yeah. Um, it's a good follow-up. Um, I mean, I kind of get a red flag when I see directed by this person and this person. But it's an animation, though. Yes, but you know, animations can be directed by one person, I and then you have written by eight people wrote Whoa. this script. Now that just it's that's a red flag straight away. So I watched it. Uh, I enjoyed it. Um, it, the animation, as you can imagine, is sublime, rich, amazing. Everything that is on the internet is in this, you know, all the, all the big apps and websites get a, get a flag, you know, Google and Snapchat and all of these things that I have no idea what they are. But it's, very, it's the most imaginative version of a visualization of the internet I've ever seen. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you're familiar with Ready Player One. I mentioned it earlier. Mm. Um, you know, the internet and this virtual world, and it's this, you know, 3D CGI kind of world that they go enter almost matrixy. This is a very comedic, comedy, uh, cartoonish, where you have these characters who are pop ups and they, they're kind of swinging signs going, hey, you want to make money playing video games? And they're throwing this sign in your face, and Ralph being the idiot, he's like, oh, 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 oh that looks like fun, you know? Mm. 
Um, and the story is... But it shows how silly we are and sucked in we are oh, as well with the internet. Absolutely. It really kind of shines a light on us. Um, it has a stellar cast. It's absolutely amazing. There's a, there's a moment in it where they go and see this... Uh, they go to the dark web to get a virus. Good God. Uh, no spoilers. It's a, it's a Disney movie, people. Don't mm-hmm. worry. It's not the usual suspects here. And um, they get he gets this virus and they have to meet this shady dealer of viruses. <sighs> and he's basically a slug. Okay. And he has a his brother is a tumor on his chest and he's like don't look at his brother don't look at his brother <laughs> of course Ralph looks straight at the brother yeah. and he was voiced and he's in this one scene he was voiced by Alfred Molina who <gasps> is you might know him as uh, Doctor Octopus from the second uh, Spider Man movie and he is just brilliant in this one scene he steals the whole scene it's hilarious um like the plot is thin they go on the internet to find Princess Vanellope played by um, Lisa's favorite um, Sarah Silverman her video game is broken. Physically, the steering wheel gets broken and the man who runs the, the arcade is going to cl- pull the plug and dismantle the machine. So to save the machine, they go on the internet on a quest to find the steering wheel and they go to eBoy or eBay and uh-huh. eBoy. And um, then they realize, oh, we actually have to pay for this. And then they have to go on a quest to make money and how do we make money, etc. So, you know, it's, it's a funny thing. And then they have, you know, viral videos and they tap into lots of memes and the modern, you know, fascination with the internet. And Ralph becomes an internet sensation with memes. The problem I have with the film is there's too many morality tales. The morality tale on top of a morality tale. It's like a sandwich with 65 layers. You're just not going to get your lips around it. And there's, you know, I must be a better friend. I must let people go. I have to find maturity. It's like too much. It's like, just give us one or two messages for kids mm. and for adults. We all need these messages. But yeah. it was just too much um, for me. And the animation was amazing. The action sequences, sequences were amazing. Gal- lots of funny bits. Lots of funny bits. Well, yeah, there's a few. Mm. Um, Gal- I thought the princess one was hilarious. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a moment in it where um, Princess Vanellope, who's this little two-foot-nothing cartoon character, walks into um, the Disney website and there's stormtroopers everywhere and it's Star Wars and they're getting chased and there's a little Star Wars moment and she gets to this door and she's knocking and she kind of bursts in this door and inside the door is a green room with all the Disney princesses. Wow. And they're all voiced by their original voiced actresses bar... Snow White. Snow White, who was played by Mary something, I forget. And Mary, that lady is, she's like 90 years old and she her voice wouldn't be able to portray a teenage princess. But the rest of them are all there. Every single, from Pocahontas to Elsa from Frozen, they're all there in the real voices. And um, it's a, it's almost an advert for Disney, Disney. princesses. And it's, it's quite a good scene. But, you know, it's a fun movie. I enjoyed it. I think there was a bit of overkill, a bit of overthinking, a bit of filmmaking by committee. You know, two directors... Six or seven writers, um, but the animation is flawless, and um, Ralph is a fun character, and it was good. Because mm. I, I loved the first one. Is it the same, uh, or is it a little, little it's, less it's, than it's, second? It's 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 a very different kind of movie. The first one is very structured. It's about video games, uh, and you're familiar with the first one. You know they they go from one video game to the other, and Ralph is on a quest. It's a similar structure in that regard. But this is the internet. It's more about the internet and the modern world and the manicness of the internet nowadays. The story is much richer, deeper. There's more happening, and again, when the when the morals kick in at the end, it's almost an avalanche of, you know, cautionary tales, and we must do this, and we must do that, and we must do the other. And by the end of the, your brain is going mm. because it's too much. That's what it's, I was talking about this the last time. I think how things are beginning to become a little bit too preachy now. Yeah. Rather than you going off and then sitting down and having a real think. Yeah. Yeah. Because. I often used to love going to a movie with a, a friend of mine. You'd probably be the same as well. 
Dave with the lads no disrespect Lisa okay. but I don't think you did the same where you'd go for a pint after watching a great movie and there'd just be silence for maybe 20 minutes because yeah. you're, you're still st- processing yeah. Yeah. yeah and then the discussion opens for like yeah. a, a good hour yeah did you have that experience with the girls? I didn't go for a pint. With <laughs> yeah, that's the same. <laughs> but I did have the drive home. See, I know you're classier yeah. than Dave and I. Yeah. That's why I was saying you weren't doing the, the <laughs> whole staring at a pint always, for 20 minutes. But there was always the drive home yeah. and you'd be thinking about it and or else like the best drive home we ever had was after the hangover. That was like the funniest drive. We laughed the entire way home. It was so good. Uh, and we were delighted with that film. Mm. But uh, yeah, you'd do that. You'd, you'd have a chat and you'd think about it and you'd come up with your th- ideas what you thought it meant or what yeah, you thought yeah. this meant but, but maybe they've just become a little bit kind of uh, feeding the audience as if they're idiots yeah you know interesting yeah. though that r- we were talking about Robin Hood hasn't even made half of its money back Robin Hood and Ralph Breaks the Internet pretty much come out at the same time and yeah. Ralph Breaks the Internet costs 175 million roughly and it's already made like 210 million wow yeah so. I mean it's but I mean obviously it's uh, it's a Disney I was going to say Pixar but it's not exactly Pixar I think it's got uh, elements yeah, of Pixar it's a Pixar-esque type uh, scenario but it's um it's a it's a franchise it's a sequel um it's a kind of an iconic character Wreck-It Ralph is an iconic character now after the movie but it's too much of this force feeding uh, morality down a kid's throat and even an adult's throat and there's too many morals it's they just don't fit um but it's a fun movie well, if you're Vaish writers, I'm sure they all want to get their moral interest. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, but you know, stunning visuals. Um, I think it's the first time Buzz Lightyear appears in a non-Pixar movie. He appears in this for a moment. Oh. And, uh, you know, it's fun. A lot of, you know, pop culture references. The, you know, the only thing I can compare to pop culture reference-wise would be Ready Player One. Okay. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, it's a good, it's, you know, solid. I'd say it's a good... Out of five? Three and a half star movie for me. What did you give The Grinch, can you remember? I think I gave The Grinch three and a half. Because they're both kind of Christmas movies aimed at the same audience. Well, The Grinch is a, a simpler tale in terms of Christmas. And, um, you know, The Grinch as a character is much more defined. Ralph is just a, a big idiot with big fists who doesn't really understand how to interact with people. And that kind of rolls on to the second movie. Uh, whereas The Grinch is a much more defined classical character from Dr. Zeus and he's been around for a long time and very defined. And I mean, a, a, a Grinch is in pop culture for decades, whereas Wreck-It Ralph is, I suppose, a new uh, departure of pop, pop culture in terms of a lot of younger people don't know how to handle themselves and how to interact with people because they're, mm. you know, they're not experienced because they're all burying their iPhones all day. Excellent. That is Wreck-It Ralph. Disney will be happy. It has already made its money back and the money continues to roll in. Not as much, though, for our next movie. Let's have a listen to The Girl in the Spider's Web. Are you not Lisbeth Salander? The girl with the dragon tattoo. The girl who hurts men. Who hurt women. I'm transferring all of your cash to your wife. He won't hurt you again. Oh, those lucky ladies. Why did you help everyone but me? Okay, I gotta say, I wasn't very excited. Maybe my gut feeling is always right, but when I heard about this movie coming out... Um, Your gut feeling is right. Yeah. Okay, so let's put it in perspective because I'm, I'm not too well up on the books. Oh my God, But we're I following am. on from like <laughs> the girl and the dragon tattoo and all that. following on from the Millennium Series with the girl and the dragon tattoo. With the dragon tattoo. And there was three of them, wasn't there? Was there was three of them. There was uh, the girl who played with fire and the girl in the hornet's nest. They're Swedish movies, uh, Swedish books, and the guy that wrote them sadly died. 
And uh, this is a kind of a ghostwriter continuing on his work with the girl in the spider's web. Okay. And it is so oh, so long. It's so stupid. Claire Foy is no Lisbeth Salander mm. because she's not Numi or Pace because Numi was the best. And even Rooney Mara wasn't even a patch on her. But Numi wasn't going to retake the role again because she said once she finished with the three movies, the Swedish movies, that she was finished with The Girl with Dragon Tattoo because she gave her all to that role. So, um, yeah, so we have Claire Foy, who is... And was there a Swedish version, the Swedish version of this made into movie? Uh, no, there is no Swedish version of this movie. So it's just the it's American. It's just the American. Mm. I'm sure the Swedish version might be a lot better if there was a Swedish actress who was interested in the role, but I'm just uh, anti-Claire Foy right now. Mm. Um, and I do think Sweden were involved financially with this. Ah, they it's a UK, Germany, been, yeah. Swedish, Canadian, they'd USA have to, movie. They'd have to have been because, yeah. you know, there's, there's a... a a lot of Swedish actors in the movie itself. Um, I'm not too sure if the lead guy is Swedish, but he definitely sounds Swedish. And let's jump back. The trilogy the from trilogy Sweden is from better Sweden. than oh the my American God, one. Is brilliant. Yeah. Okay. Oh, way way better. And have you read any of the books? I've read all three books. Okay. And, and are the I books better the than the movies? Mm, yes. Okay. But the movies are still pretty good. Well, the girl with the dragon tattoo, the first one is brilliant. Uh, the last one is pretty good, and the second one is not that great. Books. No, the, the the movies of okay. the Swedish movies. Sorry, okay. Sorry, but yeah. So Claire Foy is Elizabeth Salander, and she is uh, years later. Well, two or three years after the end of the Millennium series, the events that happened in her life. So we're we're seeing her three years later, and she's still a hacker, and she's still um, it's kind of like hacker for security and things like that. So a guy or somebody approaches her to say I've got a package and I need it taken from this guy because they stole it from me and blah 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 and then she goes to steal it and and she gets it and then they steal it back from her and then there's a whole big spider's web of nonsense and it turns out in the end I'm going to do a spoiler because you're not going to go see it <laughs> um, it turns out in the end it's her estranged sister that's the bad guy all along and it's it's just nonsense because um, there's just there's no chemistry with Claire Foy I don't see what she was brilliant in The Crown. Oh, it's all right. Anyone could have played that. <laughs> it's all right. Well, you get kind of get the feeling that she was picked for this because she's hot. Yeah. Well, she's not, though. Well, you know, if, as but in property. You know, pro hot property. Maybe. I don't mean hot as in physically, and I would never say that. And we're not saying that a woman oh, is God, anyone's no. property. Oh, what, oh, I mean, what I mean is, what I meant. What God I mean, forbid. What I mean is, Call she's the elders. Her, 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 she's hot in terms of the market, and yes. oh, Claire Foy, is, she's, you know. She's a name right she's now. She's a name. She's, her, her star is on, uh, on, on the, the way rise. Up. And um, it's good to have Lisa to politically correct a lot of these comments. And, no uh, problem. I mean, you know, her star is on the rise. Claire Foy is this, you know, force from uh, the Netflix series. And uh, I mean, when you saw Sky bringing Netflix on, their mm. the, the big push was, you know, Sky uh, Q as Netflix. Yeah, but but you know, that was my Claire Foy in um, The Crown was the big show. Mm. The, the you know the kind of flagship show, the flagship show yeah. exactly. So her star is on the rise, and um, they probably just kind of said, right. We need to fill this void after um, Numi Rapaz mm -hmm. and and Rooney Mara and Rooney Mara and Daniel Craig. There's only one American movie. It was uh, the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, and it was Daniel Craig and Rooney Mara, directed by David Fincher. Now that that did well, so how that come did, they didn't carry did on quite the well. trilogy? Um, I don't know. Well, I again, star power. You have you know Daniel Craig, who is as we know, is 007, and then you know Rooney Mara has a bit of cachet as well. And I think when you depart from a role like that and you put in someone new like Claire Foy. Mm. Claire Foy is not as famous as you would imagine in no. movie circles, obviously mm. with The Crown and again, demographics. The people who want to watch The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo or 
the girl in the spider's webs, they're not, they mightn't necessarily be crown, you know, the crown yeah. uh, demographic in terms of crossover. So, but um, this is her first like feature that she's the lead actress, as yeah. far as I can see, yeah. uh, what that I've heard of. I mean, I think she was in, um, she was in First Man. Yeah, First Man. She played the oh, wife yeah. of, uh, but that was a, you know, that was a very small support role. She was quite good in it, but it was very, very supporting in terms of there wasn't a lot of meat on the bones of that role. Mm. But, um, yeah, I think, again, it's just star on the rise. Let's get her in there. Her agents wanted a paycheck. That would be my Yeah, but you see, the thing is, it'd be all well and good if there was chemistry with her, if there was anything kind of magnetic about her on screen because she just didn't inhabit the character mm. the way the other two girls did. She just she just didn't do it for me. Yeah. And I read the books and, you know, I knew the character very well, but uh, she, just, she just wasn't it. So bad script? Bad script. And poor casting. Yeah, definitely. Sorry. Well, you can't apologize, Lisa, because there's a I'm reason a why it's not making today. its money in the box office. I know, but I'm such a grump today. It's terrible. Okay, so out of five? Two. Okay, there you go. So really, the only movie we're kind of recommending this week for you to check out is maybe Ralph Breaks the Internet. Yeah, it's uh, it's good fun, uh, visually entertaining. There's a couple of good gags and, uh, you know, it's fun, well made. Let's move on now to what is going on in the Irish film industry at the moment as I caught up earlier in the week with the development manager of the Rap Fund, Sarah Dillon. Delighted to be joined by Sarah Dillon, development manager for the Rap Fund based here in Galway City. Sarah, thank you very much for joining us and delighted that uh, you can talk to us on Just Like in the Movies. Can we just bring it back to the start before the Rap Fund kicked off and was announced about 14 months ago, October 2017. How did it actually come to fruition? So it was the brainchild of the former manager of the Goy Film Centre, Declan Gibbons and uh, Celine Curtin. And when Goy was designated the UNESCO City of Film, um, part of their mandate was to try and establish a regional fund for the West of Ireland. Um, and, and that's where the seeds of the, the idea came about. And they set about putting together um, a feasibility study. And from there, they developed the idea of, of setting up the regional fund and they brought various partners to the table. So um, the fund itself is a kind of quite a unique initiative and it's um, a significant um, coming together of, of 10 different bodies to support the AV sector. So the, the majority the funding comes from a body called the Western Development Commission. Um, the Western Development Commission are, are a, a, a state organisation that supports um, economic um, activity and are there to support small to medium enterprises in the development of the infrastructure in the west of Ireland. So they've put up the, the capital funding of two million over the three years of the scheme. And then it's also um, run in association with the seven local authorities. So from Donegal right down to Clare. So Donegal, uh, Sligo, Mayo, Roscommon, Galway City, Galway County and Clare. And we also have the backing of Uthras and Agiltata. And I suppose this is the thing that we need to kind of make clear to people. The Western Development Commission was set up about 15 years ago with the sole purpose of it got funding from the government. It's not funded anymore from the government, so it has to be self-sufficient. So the investments it makes, it is ultimately hoping to recoup. So uh, it's not a giveaway. It, the idea is that RAP is set up to invest in projects that should ultimately be recouping to keep 
the wheel churning for other filmmakers? Yeah, so ideally, yes, it does have a very strong commercial remit, um, the RAP fund, um, perhaps like on like un, unlike other you know, so softer money supports traditionally, um, like, like Screen Ireland or, or the BAI, who, who also look to recoup their investment. But I suppose the commercial remit um, for us is, is quite important um, alongside the economic impact that the fund can have. So, so creating jobs for people across the west of Ireland and developing the AV infrastructure here in Ireland. But yeah, we are always mindful of the recoupment potential on projects, um, both for production and development. It was announced back in October 2017, the RAP Fund, €2 million euro allocated over a three-year period. Mm-hmm. You came in in April of 2018 and uh, activity already taking place at that stage. But what is great about that €2 million euro investment is that's all going into projects. None of that is filtering out some administration costs along the way. No, absolutely not. The, the actual two million commitment will go directly into funding the production and development of projects. The um, administrative support for the scheme um, comes from um, other other funding, so you don't have to worry about that. Other soft costs um, within the fund, I said, the two million will go directly into the funding of projects. And ideally, we want to be able to back, you know, three to five productions a year and between hopefully 10 and 12 projects in development every year. So the idea is that we're creating, you know, we're bringing in more activity to the region. So again, there's the capacity for the region to be involved in kind of three to five more projects a year than it kind of traditionally would and create that continuity of employment for crews um, create a kind of a workflow for, for production companies as well to develop their slates right through. Um, and I said, that's the idea. It's about creating, it's about sustainability um, as much as it is about everything else. So we hope after kind of the first three years of, of the fund, um, we will have made the West of Ireland, you know, the area to come and shoot in. And thankfully, with the recent announcement of the regional uplift for Section 481, um, it's a very, very attractive proposition for, for all kinds of content, whether that is stuff that is locally developed or, you know, in some cases it will be, you know, um, projects coming in f- internationally, coming in looking for locations here. Um, and the fund itself is open to feature film, television, drama, animation and games. So we've kind of a broad remit there as well. So hoping to do some, you know, have quite a diverse activity happening right across the West of Ireland. And what about documentaries? Um, yeah, so we do support documentaries, feature film or series documentaries. But again, the, the challenge, I suppose, with documentary is their commercial remit. Um, so they will be competing against, you know, projects, feature films, television, drama. So again, they would have to make the, a strong argument for, for their commercial potential. So projects that perhaps have a sales agent already attached to them, um, whether they be feature documentaries or, or series, they're the kind of projects we're looking for. And again, those that have, you know, a kind of an economic impact here. So we are open to documentaries, yes. Excellent. Now, I suppose if we just look at things as they stand now, October 2020 is kind of when wrap could wrap up so when it comes to investing in projects you're pretty much looking at projects that are nearly ready to go yeah so in terms of production um, we do we're, we're generally kind of the last into projects or kind of close to last in so projects do need to have a significant amount of their finance already in place so that we can say that they're actually viable again you know we have although there's plans and ambitions to continue the fund beyond the, the first three years um, you, we do have to make sure that they're viable prospects so that you know commitments aren't just sitting around so yeah we come in quite late um, and again that allows us to assess the commercial potential of a film, who the partners are, um, who the talent involved is, and also we can hopefully start conversations with the producers as well about leveraging local talent onto projects, um, you know, as they advance through through the phases of, of production, and that we're always mindful of being able to kind of create opportunities for regionally based and local talent as well. 
it's fair to say that you would certainly know a lot of people working in the Irish and television industry at the moment because you yourself worked with what was then the Irish Film Board for 11 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that's another facet of what I'd like to do in the job. I mean, obviously, we'd love to be able to give everybody cold, hard cash, but, you know, with two million, there's not huge amounts um, available to people. But what I'd really like to be is a soft support for, for talent here in the region. And whether that is creating connections, where it's you know giving people advice, steering them in the right direction, maybe advising them on applying to other funds, um, it was part of my role at Screen Ireland. And it's something I hope to continue um, with the RAP Fund as well, being an advocate for regionally based talent. And tell me then about this new initiative that you've set up on a kind of European scale in terms of networking with uh, similar groups. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so we've just joined up to an organisation called Senior Regio, which is the European network of regional funds. So there's 46 members and we'll become 47. So it just allows us to be part of that conversation in Europe, to share data and share information, to share kind of information on best practice and to be part of the conversation about any regional initiatives around um, film funding. So yeah, it's quite a good thing for the RAP Fund and for the region in general. And I hope we'll be at the first meeting of Regio in Berlin next year. Um, but a, a huge part of that as well will be creating connections with other regional funds so that we can pool resources and look um, at ways that we can all work together. Which would be massive for people, if, especially if they have a co-production going on. You'd be able to kind of point them in the right direction where they could possibly get other finance. Yeah, well certainly, I mean if you look at even what's happening in the television industry right now, you know, co-production is becoming kind of the, the model for how everything is working. So, you know, even quite recently, you know, talking to the, to the major broadcasters in Ireland, what they are doing is becoming almost like the tenant financiers. And then projects are able to go out into the international market and secure um, either sales or distribution advances or co-production opportunities in order to kind of build their budgets for kind of higher end TV projects. So even if you look at even something like Finding Joy, I mean, that was sold by Acorn Television. So the idea by creating kind of international opportunities and also putting the region on the map that when people think of coming to Ireland, they're going to think of coming to the West first. Let's go to development funding then. What's the amount of development funding that you can allocate per project and what sort of projects are you looking for in terms of knowing what works? Okay, so we've just, I mean, we've just had a round of development funding. Our, our most recent deadline was the 12th of October. So I'm kind of in the middle of assessing all that stuff right now and hopefully we'll have news of that first round um, in the coming weeks. So the idea is that we can back 10 to 12 projects a year, again, across all genres. So feature film, television, drama, animation and games. And we can invest up to 15,000 um, into projects. My idea is that where we can probably have the most impact is either kind of kind of early stage development so kind of like seed capital or or late stage development where we're kind of backing producers to go out to the market and find that you know begin that kind of financing journey which is not to say that we won't support projects in the middle of their journey either but you know you're looking at where you can have where small amounts of money can have the biggest impact in order to be eligible you must have um, a regionally based producer involved in the project either they're the lead producer on it or they're working in a co-development situation but that would be the main stipulation for applying and as I said it's um, up to 15,000 per project and again it's across all all genres so again we're the only fund that's open to games or will be the only fund that's open to games so for me that's kind of a new and diverse area it's not an area that I've worked in before but I'm seeing huge opportunities there and growth potential um, in the same way perhaps that the animation sector has kind of flourished in Ireland 
the game sector I think has the same potential that's quite interesting so yeah I'm looking forward to kind of getting stuck into some of those projects over the coming months I'd hope to announce another deadline we'll have a separate deadline for games and I think we'll announce that kind of early in January for a kind of deadline in kind of March April hopefully and then announce another deadline for film television and animation kind of towards the end of March April of next year so there'll be another round to come up that people can apply for Excellent. And does the production then have to take place in the west of Ireland? Well, obviously, we're going to champion projects that do have the capacity to, to undertake um, some of their production here in the west of Ireland. They would be our priority um, for sure. In terms of production funding, so I know that people can eventually apply for both, get the development funding, and if it's successful, move on then and get production funding. So what's the criteria for production funding? Um, again, we're, we're looking at projects that have a strong, high economic impact. We have a spend ratio of three to one right now, but projects that have a higher spend ratio um, are obviously more attractive. That create opportunities for local talent, again, that have recruitment potential so those that have market interest are obviously those that kind of have stronger chance of being supported and the backing of a sales agent you know the strong set of sales figures that that kind of go with that in in terms of television drama we'd love stuff that has return potential so projects that could potentially come back series on series or season on season and have that return value and again creating sustainability for projects obviously they have to shoot or takes um say have a significant part of their shoot and or post-production within the region i should say the region goes from donegal right down to clare so it's donegal sligo mayo roscommon galway and county clare and that's what we're, we're looking for mainly we have a rolling deadline but i would encourage people to kind of talk to me early and let me know where they are what their plans are and then i can advise people about when is the best time to to apply and it's generally taking us about between about six weeks to turn around decisions so an application will come into you for production of course we should say it's up to 200 grand mm-hmm. but an application will come into you mm-hmm. then it goes to an advisory board ultimately Yeah, so it's a two-step process. Um, We have an advisory committee who oversee projects um, and then their recommendations go to the board of the Western Development Commission for endorsement or not. Excellent. So I suppose we're just maybe over 14 months into when it initially kicked off. As I said, you're only in the door since April of 2018. What's the number of productions now or, or development projects which have gotten the green light? Well, we have five offers out at the moment for, for production. Um, we have one film in post-production, one in production, um, and three others that hopefully will kick off um, February, February, March of, of next year. They're kind of in early prep at the moment. And I said, we're, we're in the middle of assessing our first round of, of development, so hopefully be able to support five to six projects through that round of development. What advice would you give people in terms of where best to get finance first before coming to the table to yourselves? Again, it depends on the type of project you're talking about, whether it's, you know, obviously feature films are financed differently to how television dramas are, to how even games are um, or animations. But I would say, I mean, obviously you're looking towards the traditional sources of financing in Ireland, be that Screen Ireland, the BI Sound and Vision Fund, again, Section 481, and we're kind of eagerly awaiting the guidelines for the regional uplift there, the extra 5%. So instead of getting 32%, you may be eligible for 37% if you undertake production within um, the region. And then you're looking at, you know, international sources, be they things like Euromage, co-productions. I mean, you know, there's a very strong amount of co-productions with Canada right now, with Germany all across Europe, the UK, 
and then you're looking for you know strong sales and distribution channels as well so looking at you know potential sales agents international sales agents um for your project as well to kind of bring that market money to the table is that still a strong area of finance getting like pre-sale agreements it depends on the project again certainly projects over a certain budget level you will need kind of a strong MG or a significant MG in order to kind of fully finance them or you're going down the kind of co-production route but again projects probably with budgets of kind of two million plus will probably need kind of a sales advance in order to kind of close their financing yeah. Perfect so exciting times for the west of Ireland do you think Sarah? I think so. I, th- I think it's an exciting time for the AV sector in general. I think, you know, we're building on the success of m- kind of many, many years. And I think, you know, I think the West of Ireland has the capacity to, to grow. There's some amazing, you know, talent here. There's some really strong production companies here. And I think that we can only grow and get better. And I think if we can create that continuity of employment and grow our crew bases and our talent bases, I think, you know, who's to say that we won't be producing 10 to 12 projects a year in the west of Ireland and more. Sarah Dillon, Development Manager for the RAP Fund. Thank you for joining us and just like in the movies. And if people want to get further information about criteria and guidelines, head to the website rapfund.ie. Can't afford marketing personnel for your business? Don't worry, just head over to gkmedia.ie where you could have your very own professional marketing team for less than €100 Euro per week. Check out our marketing solutions packages by visiting gkmedia.ie. There you go. That's Sarah Dillon of the Rap Fund speaking to us there on Just Like in the Movies. Thank you very much for listening to this week's episode. Hope you found it informative, enlightening, and hopefully a little bit entertaining. Brought to you by gkmedia.ie. Lisa Tracy, thank you very much. No problem. Dave Coyne, thank you very much. Pleasure. Thank you very much, Kifa, our recordist and engineer. Don't forget, if you want to get in touch with us, movies at gkmedia.ie is the email address. Until we talk to you next week, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.